Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 22 of the NYC Real Estate Podcast. I'm Mark Levine. I'm your host from EBMG, property management company. Uh, before we start today talking about a great topic, we're going to uh, first give you the email address to the podcast. If you want to reach out, it's nycrealestatepodcast.gmail.com. Again, that's nycrealestatepodcast.gmail.com. And if you could sub subscribe and share and anybody that might be interested in New York City real estate, that would be great to get them uh, onto this podcast. But today we have Jim Bullock here from the NY Fire Consultants, and they also run a school, NY Fire Safety Institute for um, the New York City area. And I'm presuming also the New York State area and the localized, you know, with Long Island and, and New York City. But welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Glad to be here. So I wanted to talk to you about um, your strategic um, pathway with the fire um, codes and various, and you know, we were talking before we went on to the podcast, but we were talking about regulations that certain buildings have to comply with. And that's kind of like w within your wheelhouse, but do you want to give everybody at home and driving in their car, just like a, a little overview of how you got into this, uh, into this business? I, I, Actually spent in the fire department in New York City 30 years. I retired as a deputy chief. I, at the time, I was in charge of uh, the lower half of Manhattan. Uh, right after I retired, uh, the had a fire in the Macaulay Coken where he lived, mm -hmm. the actor. And what happened is two people died, and they made a series of regulations to try to not to have that happen again. And after the negotiation with the real estate industry, what they came up with is a educational type uh, regulation where all the occupants and the staff of multiple dwellings would be uh, educated in what to do in case of a fire. Uh, it comes out as, it originally was called a fire safety plan. Over the years, it was changed to a fire safety guide, and now it's a, they added non-fire emergencies, which it last two years, and it's a... Uh, Fire Emergency Preparedness Guide, which tells you what to do under all these different emergencies from hurricanes to uh, steam leaks in the city. Mm -hmm. And then also there's a basic thing what to do when there's a fire. And uh, it has to be mailed to all the occupants of the building and the building staff. It can be hand-delivered and it can be emailed. The problem is it's difficult to do that. It might sound that it's easy, but you have to get permission from everybody to email. Right. Uh, if you hand deliver it, you have to have receipts and signed and everybody signed affidavit that they gave it out. Yeah. So it's usually just better to mail it with the proof of mailing from the post office. Right. And we're putting that, this is the last probably episode of this year. We're in mid to late December right now. And my staff, I know that we're finalizing. I think we've got just 10 more to go within our entire portfolio of those um, fire safety plans, what you would call on, you know, in terms of the building, how it was constructed, is it combustible, is it non-combustible, what are the uh, exits, are the interior or the exterior? So we're, for all the new buildings that came on in the last, you know, year or so right now, we're, we're finishing up with that. And we, uh, in January, we send that out by mail. So we have the proof of mailing, as you were just saying, and, and that's, it's been something that's over, you said, it, now it's what, 26 pages? It's 26 pages long now because of all the non-fire emergencies they had. Yeah, and it used to be maybe three. It, it was very little. For a while, yeah, it was you, very you, little. You could squeeze it down to four. Yeah. And still keep the the right fonts and everything that they want. You yeah. can get to four, but now it's 26. Yeah. That could be squeezed to maybe 19. <laughs> I could get it down to 19, but that's it. 
So also we've got some new regulations coming up that were just enacted um, in the residential building for multi-family dwellings. If you have an MDR, multiple dwelling registration in the city or three or more units, and you're subject to this new law that's a fire, it's, it's a sign on the hallway side of any enclosed uh, stairway door that says to close the door behind you and it has a specific picture of I think a person in fire and we were flame yeah yeah um, and that's not maybe a pretty sign it's not pretty at all yeah it's uh, people that want to decorate their buildings and they take a lot of pride in decorating their buildings do not like this sign yeah because in no way it's going to blend into the core I guess that's the point, though, because you want to be able to see it in an emergency and a yep. fire when you, mm-hmm. you may be without light. And are they reflective? No, no, they're not reflective. Yeah. Uh, the original hearing, they were going to have the signs in the lobby and on the door. They said there's enough signs by the lobby, so they decided just the door. And it's not, and the door to close is your apartment door. Most important to close your apartment right. door. You know, if you're in a, what, why do they ask? You know, combustible and non-combustible. The important part is if you're in a combustible building and a non or a non-combustible building, there's two different things that you would do. Not the same. If you're in a combustible building, you're talking about an H building in the outer boroughs, mm-hmm. and you heard there's a fire, you smell fire, seen fire, heard somebody say fire. The first thing you do is get out. Do not do anything else. Just get out. But if you're in a fireproof building, you might not be in danger. Right. The problem is when you leave. When you're not in danger, you're going out where all the smoke is, where the fireman is stretching holes and opening up doors below you to get to the fire. All the smoke is coming up and now going into your stairway mm-hmm. and your hallway. So you don't want to leave. Right. If you're in immediate danger, you want to leave. But if the fire is not near you, you want to leave. There was a fire 43rd and 10th. And matter of fact, I was interviewed on after that fire. The two people decided to leave. And they got caught, they got to the stairway, and that's where all the smoke comes up. It's right. like a chimney of hot air and smoke. Yeah. And they perished. And at the same... And that was purely uh, preventable because if they were in a non-combustible building, they could have just stayed in their they apartment. They could have stayed where they were. Been chambered and, off. Um, actually, I think it was first edition that interviewed me. Yeah. And at the same time, they also interviewed uh, somebody that was about to leave the apartment, and they seen the sign on the back of the door that says, stay where you are, you're in a... Fireproof building. They stayed. They survived. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the two people that was in the other building died. Yeah. What are recommendations for? Um, I I've in some buildings, some boards that I have don't like it, but we we've given out magnets that say evacuated. So if somebody leaves and they close the door behind them, they could put the magnet up on the door frame so that at least the firemen don't know you know that there there's nobody in the apartment. Um, just as a way for us to minimize damage in the case of an emergency. Also, there were stickers that came out a few years ago that had to be placed on the doorframe of certain buildings, depending on sprinklers in the uh, hallways and also on the the number of apartments. I think it's nine or more apartments, if I'm not mistaken. Nine or more, right. Yes, got it. (laughs) (laughs) And I haven't studied for you. I'm just telling you, this is right off the brain. Um, And it was especially important for us. So that sticker had the apartment number, and if there was a duplex apartment, it had special symbols to know that if the upstairs or the downstairs was the main entrance to that apartment, right? That's correct. Um, and that's all for the fire. It's all for safety. the firefighters. It's yeah. not for the, the occupants of the building. Yeah. The idea, if they're crawling in the smoke, 
where they are is that level at the floor. Right. That's why that little, it's called a, a uh, emergency markings, mm-hmm. and it's reflective. And uh, the idea is that they, uh, the firemen will see it and they would know. And the important part, if you're at a duplex, if you're at the bottom of the duplex or if you're at the top of the duplex, if the fire is on the bottom, in the duplex apartment on the bottom, all the smoke and everything is going to the top. The firemen want to be in the bottom right. of the duplex. They don't want to come in for the top. That's yeah. where all the heavy smoke is. They want to come in through the bottom. And the idea is to, you know, know what's what. And also know what what apartment you, you're going to. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots of apartments that don't even have uh, numbers on it, you know? Right. Like 10A, you know? You want to know you're going to 10A. You don't want to go to 10B. Right. Uh, as far as... You mentioned before about you know putting a sticker on the door. Uh, after the fire is out, where the fire is in the fire department, the other apartments would have to be checked. Mm-hmm. The fire department will check the other apartment whether the sticker is on there or not. <laughs> They're going. They in. have to check the yeah. apartment. Is what happens is when you first get to a fire. I was a firefighter for 30, 30 years. Yeah. Uh, you give to the chief. You give a preliminary report. The preliminary report is that there's nobody here. But then you give a secondary report. That's the long one, where you really make sure that nobody's hidden in the closet somewhere, that really nobody is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so but, that it's really important that they get in everywhere. And it's a magnet up there. It's just going to maybe alert management that nobody's in there. But for the fire department's sake, they're going to check. Yeah. You know. Uh, and hopefully they left it open so that they're not, I mean, not the door open, but the locks open. That's so that, the, That's the right thing to do. Yeah. Don't lock your door, but close your door. Yeah. You know, if you don't lock it, they won't have to break it down. Yeah. But if they had to break it down, they would. Do they enjoy breaking it down? Because I've seen some firefighters really enjoy breaking it down. Not really. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's part of their skill. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't take long to do. No. They, they, could, they could get through the door within about 15 seconds. Yeah. You know, some doors are longer. You yeah. Know, some doors does take longer in the older days with the... Uh, uh, factory doors and all these double locks and everything like that. But uh, it doesn't take long to uh, get in the apartment because what they want to do is search. The people maybe don't know, but like the, it looks like everybody's running around at a fire and nobody's doing anything, but everybody has an assignment. Everybody knows what they have to do. It's controlled chaos. Yes, controlled chaos. Yeah, which is important. Yeah. Uh, the trucks, the engines are going to bring up the hose and they're going to use the water on the fire. And the trucks are going to make their operation easier. They're going to look for people, but they're going to make sure doors are open so the engine can get in mm-hmm. and uh, and put out the fire, and the trucks will look for the, any uh, victims. So through the New York Fire Safety Institute, you guys are giving classes? You have a school? Yes, we are one of the approved schools for, um, uh, uh, would be for hotels and office buildings. They have to have fire life safety directors. We're one of the approved schools that, that give this course. Uh, the course originally started with just fire and also started way back in 73. Mm-hmm. But uh, now it's fire and emergencies. Now the hotels have to have the emergency part where the office buildings already have it. So now it's a 31-hour course of uh, fire life safety director, which is 20 hours of fire and 11 hours of uh, non-fire. Can the same person be on multiple buildings? That's a fire. No. So you have to have one designated person for each building, but it can't be the same person. Each certificate of fitness that the fire department issues has an address on it. Mm-hmm. And that person can only work 
in that building where he has an address for. Because you go to school, you get tested at school, then you go to the fire department, get tested with another multiple question test. Mm -hmm. But then to get the final certificate of fitness, you get tested at the building on your fire alarm system. Got it. So that building is only, you know, that certificate of fitness is only good for that building. And it's, you need more than one. If you had a building, an office building used to be open, it's closed by maybe eight, nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Well, then you can get away with two. But a hotel is around the clock. You need at yeah. least four. Wow. And now office buildings are around the clock, a lot of them. So they need at least four. Mm-hmm. And they all have to have the same address. It's good to have more. And that's the problem that they don't think they need more until somebody had goes sick, goes away, quits at the last minute. Right. Now they have to run around and get somebody. It's not easy because it's a long process. It's a 60 60-day process, at least mm-hmm. 60 to 90 days it takes to get that certificate of fitness after you completed the school, and school takes a couple of weeks. Right. In the meantime, if there's nobody on site that's um, been certified to do that, what is the building's um, violations? The FDNY could issue a violation, I imagine. Yes, too. And uh, so it could lead to, to penalties and fines and also uh is there any other thing that could Basically, come up? Basically, it's going to be, uh, they'll issue a summons, and the summons will have to go to court, and you'd have to pay a fine. Now, the fines vary all the time. You know, they'll always say $5,000 on it. It might yeah. be less, but when you finally go to court and you, you tell them how you got somebody coming and somebody just got sick, and, mm-hmm. you know, there could be some circumstances they'll take. So I've had a lot of buildings where they have um, sprinklers throughout and let's say the sprinkler system needs to um, be upgraded or if there is an issue and then there's no sprinkler system um, watching over the fire safety. So we've had to have fire watches during that time. Do you want to explain quickly? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I have a feeling you're an expert and you can talk about it a lot more than I I can. Right before you came in, I just had a talk. We have uh, a fire fire watch at one of the hospitals that we did. Okay. The system's out. The way it works is a fire protection system, three fire protection systems, sprinkler, standpipe, and fire alarm. That's the, basically you know, three protection. Smoke will be part of the fire alarm. And standpipes are for buildings that are taller than six stories, right? In general? 75 feet. Okay. You know. And or large areas, mm-hmm. more than, I think, 10,000 square feet. Okay. You know. So it's the idea is that the fire department doesn't have to stretch the hose all that distance. They could just hook up their hose closer to the fire. Mm-hmm. So when any of those systems are out, now that system also notified the fire department. Sprinkle goes off, the water flow, it notifies the fire department. Alarm goes off, it notifies the fire department. So now the, fire, the system's out, usually the connection to the central station's out, so they're not, the fire department's not noted, so notified. So what they want is, instead of the electrical mechanical way of notifying the fire department, an actual person there. Mm-hmm. And you need... Depending on the size of the building, how many you need. You need one every 50,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. And he has to be there until the system's restored. And we've had some fire watches that have gone on for days, and it's a 24-hour coverage. Yes. Which is expensive. Very expensive. Not as expensive as somebody perishing in a fire. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> that's what I always know, say. I mean, it's, it's very expensive because it goes on 24-7. And that's if you need one. What if you need two, three? I have, we had 41 fire uh, uh, guards, because it was a big office building, they were going to do something over the weekend. So Saturday, they got to have a bunch of people there. It was yeah. 41 fire guards there. Wow. You know? Is that a service that your company provides? Yes, we provide that. Good to know. Um, we provide uh, 
uh, it's called a really it's called certificate of fitness as a fire guard. They do the duties as a fire watch. Sometimes mm-hmm. those words get interchangeable. Yeah, you know. But uh, it's, so, can you walk me through what they're responsible for? Well, every hour they have to make a round of their area. Mm-hmm. More than 50,000 square feet, their area will only be like 50,000 square feet. Right. They'll walk the stairs, they'll walk the halls, they'll walk their area and make sure, well, that there's no fire, of course. They'll make sure that there's no exits locked, exits blocked, there's no accumulation of rubbish. They're going to check it out. And they initially do a, a one check, and then every hour they have to they check it, you know. Yeah. Homeless shelters have them all the time, too. Oh, really? Whether the system's there or not. Different kind of a, a certificate of fitness, but they have to right. have a certificate of fitness like a fire watch. They've been fired. Because what happens at homeless shelters, everybody should be sleeping or, or right. not around, so nobody's paying attention, you know, to, yeah. to make sure that, uh, you know, the conditions are safe. Mm-hmm. Wow. That yeah. I didn't know. I learned something new. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else do you think is important for us to focus on? And it doesn't have to be on the residential side. It could be anything. Do you, do you see anything coming up in the next year? I mean, we know about the signage in, in the residential buildings that has to be up by April 30th. Mm-hmm. You know that. Um, that's for the hallway doors with close the door behind you. Um, is there anything else you're hearing in the... Yes, but I don't think it's really that close or it's going to happen. But uh, I've been getting a few calls because one of the city councilmen uh, is going to propose a law to sprinkle all residential buildings. I saw that. I sent that to a few of our buildings, and uh, I said, if you have an issue, you yes. know, contact your, your you definitely, councilman. You know, and that's to retroactively re, uh, yes, there's no, fit it out. Yeah. If, if you want to go to history, okay, in round, we first had high-rise office building fires in like 1973 we had a few and then a few more after that and that's when they decided that well we'll get all office buildings sprinkling and we'll do it in the next 15 years yeah but the 15 year that was that was 2070 no 1973 Mm -hmm. this is 2019 now this 15 years is finally over they kept on extending it but this is the last extension, I believe. By the end of this month, they're supposed to be sprinkling. Wow. With the residential building, I don't know if they'll ever get that passed because the real estate association would definitely have to, uh, you know. Is it a good idea to sprinkle it? Yes. But not all buildings can do it very easily. And there's buildings that run, you know, whether it's, it's rental, it's run for a profit. There's not that much profit to put in a... In a a sprinkler system. Sprinkler system. Yeah. It isn't expensive as you think, but it's expensive. Yeah. You know, sprinkler systems actually cost as much as to put uh, wall-to-wall carpet in it mm-hmm. initially. Initially. Yeah. That's why all buildings now, if you had a resident building now, new building, they're sprinkler from the beginning. It's so much easier and cheaper. And people worry about, oh, what about the leak? It's going to leak. It doesn't leak. Yeah. I don't really, yeah. I, I can't yeah. think of a building... No, there's that's not had many. a leak from their sprinkler system. I no. mean, we've had like basement leaks, you know, yeah, from, you have from the, the piping, leaks, but you never have, apartments. Yes, you have a, a fire that sets off the sprinkler in the sprinkler building. It might take a while to get that sprinkler shut off. That's right. why it's when when we also we train building staff. We have an actual training of building staff what to do in case of a fire. And one of the things we talk about in sprinkler system. Now is not the time to find out where that shutoff is. Right. You want to know, get this, once the fire is under the control, once the fire department is there, if it is a fire, 
you want to know where that, that shutoff is right away. You don't mm-hmm. want to, oh, I think it's that way. Yeah. And then it's not. It's the other way, you know. Sometimes it doesn't make sense that it's where it is because it just happened to be with a pipe and it was the best place to put it. Right. And then, then you're going to have the problems, you know. So speaking about sprinklers, there are two types of systems, right? There's a, a dry system and a wet system. Yes. Can you go through the differences between a dry system and it's probably as simple as it sounds? Simple yes. as it sounds. But if but you want to just give, yet. yeah. It's simple as it sounds. It's one is dry and one is wet. So the one that is dry would have air in it. Mm-hmm. When the sprinkler head opens because of the heat, they usually open around 165. Mm-hmm. Something there melts or a bubble of water in a glass tube expands and breaks. And now... The first thing that happens is the air comes out of the system and then the water follows it. Right. That's a dry system. But that's an automatic dry system. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an automatic, uh, there's also a system that, it, you know, that's an automatic dry system, but it's automatic. The water will come when the air goes out. There are systems that are just perforated pipes. Mm-hmm. They'll have that and then the water will come out when you hook up the water to it. Right. Usually those will be fined in uh, garages or something. Where a wet system, you know, would be that as soon as, the bulb or the, the two different metals melt, then the water will come out right away. Is there, on newish construction, is there one favorite over the other? Or are you see, well, do we see mostly <laughs> wet? It, 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 wet is always be favorite because the water comes out right away. Mm-hmm. And most of it is wet. Where they use the dry system is where an area is going to be exposed to the uh, cold weather freezing. Yeah. Then they'll allow the, the dry system. Yeah. Now, it is a difference. But the system is then, when you have a dry system there, uh, sectioned off. It could take a long time for the air to come out. One head. Yeah. You know, so there's a, what do you call it? They limit the amount of uh, section so you don't have to wait for all the air right. to come out of uh, 20 stories. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, you, you said just before, and, you know, people are concerned about the leaks co- coming from pipes. But I had the opposite where... Or I, it was kind of related. I have a building uh, that was built probably with the system in, improperly because they have a wet system outside in the garage. So that pipe kept expanding and freezing and mm-hmm. popping, you know, and that led to a leak in the cold yeah. weather. And they should have in that space probably have put in a, a wet, uh, I'm sorry, well, a dry system. Or you just protect it. Yeah. You just protect it, you know. Most of the times when you got a, a frozen pipe, it's usually when, okay, the weather gets really cold, but it's something is open. You know, I had a, a leak <laughs> in my basement maybe a few years ago. Mm-hmm. What happened was when they put the, the siding on or something, there was a little exposure, exposure where air could get in, and that's all it takes. Steady air, and now it freeze it. So the idea was just protect it. Now I got it all protected, sealed up. I ain't going to have another leak again. So you're one of the owners of the NY Fire Consultants. Correct. And do you have a partner? Yes, my partner, uh, partner Robert O'Brien. And was uh, he also in He the was one? Actually, he was my, uh, when I was the chief, he was my aide. Okay. So uh, we used to, you know, and he was the one that, that got me to go into business. He was, he retired ahead of me and he had a uh, uh, extinguisher business, you mm-hmm. know. And, he, and when the Macaulay Culkin fire happened, they passed the law, he said, you know, I need your help, I need your help. And I've been doing it ever since, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And um, do you still get involved in extinguishers or no? No, no. We don't get involved except for asking questions. One of the, you know, I always get a lot of questions. You know, I should give my... My uh, connection, you know, uh, to the website because people always ask me questions yeah, all it. the time. You know, Please. well, it's the website is just uh, nyfire safe s a f e dot com. 
And I'm also going to put a link to it in the description yeah. and, the, and everything. Yeah. And uh, we, we, we put out a newsletter maybe mm-hmm. once a month, maybe sometime. This time of year we put it on twice a month because every year you have to start a new logbook. So this is the time you buy it for next year. Mm-hmm. The logbooks, even though you have space left to write, it's only good for a calendar year. Can we buy the logbooks from you? We can buy them. You can buy them right online. Okay. We call up and then, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, usually we have to take uh, uh, tax-free over the phone. It's just somehow it's not designed right. right. I got to get a better IT to do that, yeah. you know. But, uh, you know, but you could do it, you could do the logbooks right over the uh, right over the internet. You could register the classes right over the internet. Uh, What's in the logbook? What do we put, what do well, we put in there? Well, there's still different kinds of logbooks. We have a, a sprinkler. Standpipe logbook, and it's for any of the any of the what do you call it? Uh, system. Any you have a sprinkler system in your building, you need a logbook. Mm-hmm. Not if it's a little system, it's that system. You need a logbook. Fire alarm logbooks. If you have a fire alarm, but it also because a lot of the office buildings, hotels use them. There's a lot of other things it covers. You know, mm-hmm. from the uh, there's ventilation, it's the testing of the elevators, all that has to be done in a commercial office right. building, you know. So all that is thrown into the, the sprinkler file. Then there's a, a fire safety plan logbook that hotels use right now. Mm-hmm. And then the combination fire safety plan and non-fire, that's what office buildings use. In the next year, the hotels will, they've already trained, they already got uh, trained for the non-fire, but now they're going to uh, make up the the rules for doing their planning on fire. So they'll be getting it. It should have came out, I think, supposed to come out last April, I think, but it didn't yet. Yeah. But it got to be soon. Yeah. And all that is part of the logbooks. Uh, mm-hmm. sh- homeless shelters, they need a logbook, and that logbook is for things that they have, you know. Is the logbook for residential, di- is that different from the inspection logbook for the sprinklers when we have the monthly inspections? By a sprinkler company, you buy the sprinkler company, yes, and they'll fill out the um, they'll fill out uh, the card that's hanging on the thing. But you, yeah. s- you really need a logbook too. Uh, when the inspector comes, if he doesn't see a logbook, uh, you know he'll ask for it. Uh, that usually gets bypassed, uh, except for we have a lot of customers that are a plumbing company. They're mm-hmm. the ones that inspect it. They like they like to provide that for their their yeah. clients because it's an easy thing, you know. Uh, one of the things we mentioned before about uh, extinguishers, mm-hmm. you know, and one misconception is, oh, the building sprinkler, so I don't need an extinguisher. No, that's not true. You know, uh, extinguishers have nothing to do if it's sprinkler or not, you know. But also at, at the same time, I think in hotels and churches, the amount of sprinklers can be lowered by 50% of it. You know, the amount of extinguishers can be lowered if you have sprinklers, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and another misconception is, and you got to watch, you get, um, sprinkler stamp, uh, will be, uh, extinguisher companies. They would call up and they say, oh, you need, uh, a certain amount of extinguishers. Actually in a residential building, there's no call for extinguishers except for certain areas like the elevator machinery room, the compactor room, uh, a workshop down below. But to have one on every floor is not required. It's good practice. You mentioned before compactor rooms and mm. the need to have a fire extinguisher there. But what about if we have 
every floor has a, a refuse room where they have a, a door where we put garbage down there and it's um, for recycling materials. And yeah. do we need a fire extinguisher in those areas? You don't need it by code. By code. It's a good idea to have it. It's a good idea to have fire extinguishers in every floor. It's a good idea that the tenants, the, the occupants, yeah. have a small fire extinguisher. My small mom. meaning that <laughs> you don't want a big, heavy fire extinguisher. You want a light yeah. one. You want a five-pound in your house, in the kitchen, you know? I know. Where you could get to, you know? Every time I move, my mom brings over a new fire extinguisher. <laughs> <laughs> so I know. Um, how about in garages? Because we have a lot of buildings that have garages. And you used to see the old That's, sand They're buckets. required in, mm-hmm. in garages. Uh, stand bucks are not, not required anymore. It's it's yeah. fire extinguishers, uh, uh, multiple uh, multiple purpose dry chemical fire extinguishers, ABC. Yeah, that's the kind best kind to use because they, they cover everything. ABC, all all types of fire, right. except for metal fires. That's D. So yeah, and yes, but that is required. I'm talking about in the residential building. It's not required in the, where the cars are. Definitely, it's required. Yeah, and we've seen. And I'm sure we're exhausting fire extinguishers at this point, but we've seen the change in tags over the last year from the yes. old punch tags to New York City has yes. initiated new tags yeah. that are halogen. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, not halogen. Uh, holographed or something. Uh, right? Yes. Yeah. So you yeah. can't and take them. Yes. Yes. The idea was people were just uh, selling the tags, not yeah. doing the inspection. It means that it was inspected. Also, at the same, the same kind of tags would go on. Uh, Range hoods in, mm-hmm. in a restaurant. You have a, a range where the cooking is being done, and and that would has to be inspected and cleaned and everything like that. And they would just sell the tags to some companies. So now shady, yes, yeah. yes, and dangerous. Yes, you don't play with life safety. No, like um, my, my partner before I started, he used to do the cleaning of ducks, and you had to clean uh, you had to clean the ducks every thirty days. He had a customer that had them clean. Every month, because he had a fire, and he doesn't want the fire to go in. You, a fire, a duck fire in a in a kitchen, is it's very damaging, because the fire goes up. You don't know where it's going to go. You have to firemen. You mentioned how they like to break down the door. They go have to dig to get to that duck, and the yeah. duck might be traveling. It's a six story building. It has to travel to the roof. Mm-hmm. You got to find out where that fire is, yeah. and the fire is where the grease ended. You know, the grease is supposed to be stopped by the filters. If it's not, it's going to go up there, and it's going to start up there. Right. And, then, you know. and that's a law every 30 days that it has to be cleaned. Actually, yes. It's every it's every 30 days the filter has to be cleaned. Mm-hmm. Or, and then every uh, every three months the range hood has to be cleaned or when necessary. You do a lot of cooking, and you do a certain kind of food that causes grease, you've got to clean it more often. Yeah. You know? I mean, it just gets piled on. It doesn't take much to get piled on. Actually. Right. And grease fires are, we, in, in the smallest case, they're very dangerous. I can't imagine yes, if you let it, something go six months. Yes, and it, the fact that, you know, the damage that is done trying to put that fire out is, is you know, is um, you know very damaging because all those ducks it has to be followed. And the duck will make a couple of turns and you don't know where it is. Yeah. And if the duck isn't made right, then now they have to be... Um, uh, they're sorted completely, not not just pushed together and pressed, so you don't have a little opening. Mm-hmm. You know, the fire once it's there, it'll find an opening. You know, yeah. because the air draws it that way. Right. You know, and it'll find the opening. The stack effect. That was yeah. one of the few things I learned way back when when I took a course. I think it was the a seminar. Effect. Yeah. Well, the stack effect is really in office buildings. Yeah, and in elevator shafts. Yeah. And well, that. Yeah. what happens is if you have a high building, 
the smoke is warm, it rises. But it comes a point where the smoke cools down as it's going up, and now the pressure outside is equal to the pressure outside the building, inside, the, and the smoke will stop. And now it won't go to the roof or go all the way up. It'll start spreading on that floor. Could be the 15, 16 floor. You got smoke spreading across that are going all the way up the shaft. That's the stack effect. <laughs> and it has to do with the weather and the time of the yeah. year. It's the cooling of the smoke. So you do through your, do you do seminars through your um, we do. school? Uh, yes. What we do is uh, training. Uh, we, we train uh, staff of residential buildings, and we do also do uh, training for residential buildings, what to do in case of fire. We found that when we, we train the occupants of the building, it's not good to have like a formal training session. Right. They, they come at 6.30, go off work, they're going to be there, and then after a while they want to go up and have dinner. Yeah. So the best thing is really uh, when they have their annual meeting or they have another time set aside, That'll be uh, kind of a question and answer session. We start the session off, we explain a few things. The biggest thing we explain, we'll tell them that this is a fireproof building. Do not go running out nilly-lilly. Just look where you can go. Yeah. Make sure that you're really in danger before you go out. And they'll tell me, oh, the smoke was very, very bad. Believe me, just, you know, you could go to the window, open the window at the top and the bottom. As long as the smoke isn't coming in, that's good. If smoke's yeah. coming in, then you close the window. Yeah. You know, and then we open it up for questions and they'll be like, it's much better than this formal PowerPoint we do. It's okay yeah. for the staff. They get paid to be there. Right. They're going to be there the whole time. Well, it sounds like we got a lot of good information. And it sounds like I should be asking a lot of my restaurants that are in my buildings for proof that they're cleaning their kitchen equipment every month because yeah. that's a very big concern. Yeah. And you, you kind of like rang a bell, you know, that I'm going to track that now moving forward. Yeah. And It's a sticker that goes on the hood. Yeah. So all you do is look at the sticker, and it's the new sticker. It's yeah. not no paper sticker. And who uh, puts so a professional company has to come and do it, or can they do it themselves? They can do it themselves if they have all the equipment mm -hmm. that is required by the professional company, and if they're trained by the manufacturer of that extinguisher system, yeah, they can't really do it. Yeah, but they can. There's a way out, you know. And the companies are are actually licensed or they get a certificate of fitness from the fire department and the employees that actually do the cleaning for the company, they're licensed by the fire department and they have to work for a company that has uh, a license. So I should, I should be asking for a picture of the, the sticker on the hood to provide proof. Yes. Easy enough. Yeah. That's easy enough to see. Yeah. All right. So your website again is nyfiresafe.com. Correct. Our website zbmg.com um again if you want to email the show it's nyc real estate podcast at gmail.com nyc real estate podcast at gmail.com what's the phone number for your company okay it's 718-432-1600 and where are you guys located we're located in manhattan but that's the phone number where uh bernadette will answer the phone <laughs> and help you hi bernadette all bernadette, right so. and this is a you know a a world with internet and everything, you know. Uh, I never go to the office. Only my partner, Bob, yeah. goes to the office where the school is. Yeah. You know, everything is done by phone and internet. Mm -hmm. Tell or everybody that works for us are, are former firefighters. Oh, really? Or actually present firefighters. You know, some chiefs, some captains, lieutenants. And That's then, great. You know, and uh, the teachers are all, you know, some are active. We got one is active now, active battalion chief. He, he teaches the course and, uh, you know, they're retired and they'll, uh, we'll just call them up and tell them, you know, go to this building and they need a fire safety guide, you know. Yeah. 
Well, I think I could find a, a bunch of ways to use you guys, and I'm sure that people out listening and just within the no, world, well, it doesn't seem like there's many companies that are doing what you do. There's not many. There's, there's companies do parts of what we do. Uh, the idea of um, the office building and the uh, hotels. Mm -hmm. uh, we make up plans, but there's other people who make up plans for office building and hotels, and they have to have drills. And most times the, the building wants to outsource it. Right. You know, uh, and there's companies that do that, you know. But not too many people do on the residential side. But you're a good one-stop shop for everything fire-related. Really? Really? Yes. Yeah. Just about. Uh, uh, Logbooks are noted throughout the city. Yeah. You know, uh, the inspector will say, well, they got this, you know, the red book. Use that red book that that other company is in. Don't mention our names. Yeah. Right. Really I'm going to go search your site now when you leave yeah. and purchase a few because it's <laughs> calendar year is coming up. So. Calendar year is coming up. And actually, in a residential building, they need one every year. Yeah. You have a if you have a uh, what do you call it standpipe system? Not mm -hmm. everybody has an alarm in a residential building, right. and everybody has a sprinkler. Mm -hmm. But some of them have some sprinklers that they don't realize. You know, uh, you got that sprinkler for the compactor. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you're, uh, the laundry. If you have a laundry with two dryers, you require a you need sprinkler. It. You know, you'd be surprised. I mean, you're not surprised because you've <laughs> seen it all. But if you go into a laundry room, there's tons of them that don't have the required sprinklers. Yes. Well, actually. We started with the Macaulay Culkin fire, you know, and we got in touch by a company called Brent. And uh, we've been their fire consultant for 20 years now. Yeah. So, and we go there every year, inspect their building. We do their guides. We inspect their building. And we got them down to, we very rarely have anything that, uh, that we find wrong. They finally corrected everything slowly. The idea of the, sp of the laundry room, you know. But the laundry room was built originally they were, didn't have to be sprinklers. Right. Later on, they did. And, you know, so now we got almost all the laundry sprinkler now. Mm -hmm. And it, it that's one of the easy things. You just take it off the domestic water. That's allowed to be taken off the domestic right. water. Same with compact as domestic water. Yeah. Yeah. So, but all these buildings, they're 75 feet or more. They all have standpipes. Mm -hmm. But not all of them have the log books. Right. You know? And the certificate of fitness. You need a certificate of fitness. They made it easier now. You get a certificate of fitness that's citywide. Well, you used to be at a certificate of fitness for your building, and you had to bring the drawings of your building down, and it was only good for that building. Right. Now it's citywide. More intense tests and everything like that, but now right. it's good if you happen to change building, you're a resident manager. You take it with you. You don't have to get a new one. Right. Uh, All right, helpful. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming in to talk about this. I think it's, I mean, as I said, life safety is very important. Just that we cover this topic at all. I think just starts the conversation with a lot of people so that they could start looking at their situation. And yeah, there's, uh, you know, there's, pl pl there's plenty of buildings. We get called all the time for, you know, going to the building, doing inspections and everything like that, you know. One thing we do inspections, but inspections aren't required by, uh, the city doesn't require you hire an outside company to do inspections. They do require you to do the guide. So we don't, we don't do a lot of inspections except for the buildings that we're uh, connected to. I mean, yeah. Over the years, we must have did 4,000 to 5,000 guides. Wow. You know, every year, you know, especially this year, you said that uh, the mailing is January with the winter guard notice mm -hmm. or five invention week. So there's a few that do five invention week, most of with the winter guard notice. Right. Which I told the fire department I'm against, and I spoke at a, one of the hearings on it because when you get the winter guard notice, you're the occupant, you get that notice. And you have to send it back that you don't have, 
young kid, right. you don't want it, or you do want it, whatever, then you have to send it back. And if you don't send it back, they'll send you another notice. And you don't send, they'll send you another notice. So what happens, if you open that fire emergency preparedness guide, and the window guide notice, you take the emergency guide, put it to the side, and you answer the question about the window guide notice because you don't want those letters right. coming back. And yeah. now you never read the guide. Yeah. So I don't think it should be together. Yeah. It should be separate. But it's a bigger cost, and I can see the other side That's of the, the cost thing. is yeah. The cost is everything. It's the know? mailing. and Yeah. It's the mailing. It gets expensive. And now. <laughs> and in color. If the emergency guide has <laughs> to be in, in color. Now it's in color, and uh and it said, well, I could get it down to 19, minor 19 pages. Yeah. Uh, and still meet the requirements of the thing. But it, it cost. Yeah. The, our prices doubled mm-hmm. when they went from when they went from four pages in black and white to yeah. 19 pages in color. I'm surprised it only doubled and didn't, you know, go much higher than that. So, all right. So we'll all check out nysfiresafe.com and we'll get on the log books. We'll make sure that we've got our fire safety plans, our 26 pages, which you can get down to 19. Mm-hmm. all in color and uh we'll we'll be in touch but thank you for coming in okay thank you very much right. i'm glad to be here all right if we don't come on before the end of the year i wish everybody a happy holiday and a good new year take care